Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. Can you hear me? Hey, Carrie. <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear hey, me through my phone. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm so sorry. That's never happened before. That's the weirdest thing. I, I was like, maybe it's my phone. Maybe I need to like turn it off, turn it back on. But I can hear me talking to you through my phone. That's so funny. That was weird. That was, yeah, the um, the Anchor app. It's really cool. I've just started. I tried using it a few times, and it's worked. Cause my uh, my marketing team has said, hey, you know, you can use this. It's all on the phone, and it'll automatically send to uh, you know, multiple podcast accounts all automatically instead of uploading them one at a time, etc. I'm like, well, that sounds really cool. Um, so the only downside is that you can't see the people you're talking to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's good and bad, I guess. But, um, you know, it's one of those things. And then I, uh, I, I play around with this uh, free conference call one, but um, it's kind of limited, too, in what you can do. And um, so I'm, I'm probably just going to go back to trying Zoom again. Zoom's, Zoom's kind of cool, but um, you know, it just depends on how long you, they have a free version, a paid version, it just depends. But I, I think a lot of people use it. It seems to be pretty seamless. So just trying different ones, see what I like best, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, we have, I have Zoom. We have a pro Zoom account at, at Dots just because we use Zoom so much. And um, as much as I love it and how convenient it is, I will tell you that sometimes I'm fighting, not fighting, I'm discussing with Zoom right now why sometimes people will send me a Zoom link and then because I have a Zoom account, like, already open all the time, they'll compete right. for each other. Oh, really? And so, right, so especially a Zoom Live, if somebody sends me a Zoom Live link, it won't let me open it at all. It'll yeah. keep trying to push me to my own Zoom account and not let me into their Zoom account. Interesting, interesting. It's only, huh. like, and I weirdo thing, and so we're, on, literally today, my assistant is trying to figure it out with Zoom support. Interesting, huh. Well, yeah. um... Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad you told me that because I was thinking about playing around with it again, um, and I because I was having some issues too way back, and that's why I uh, just I uh, did a couple impromptu ones with the with the, uh, the free conference calls, and then like I said, I, my my uh, my team said, hey, you know, Anchor is really cool. It's pretty seamless. It's simple, and so I've done it a couple times, and it's, and it's pretty good up until today. <laughs> <laughs> Always the case, right? Of course. Right. So I'm gonna leave. Can I leave the recording on Anchor? Um, if you don't mind leaving it on, I. I'm yeah. just going to see if it records anyway, um, okay. if you're okay with that. If not, um, I don't know, maybe it's recording. I, I kind of have it on the audio on my speaker, so maybe I'm, I'm just going to try to record a couple different ways. That way, in case one bonks, I'll have a backup maybe. <laughs> yeah, I just need to um, – I can hear you, and I can hear me through free conference call, but on um, Anchor. So I'm just covering up the speaker on my phone so that okay. I don't – there's no, you know, there's no like, echo. people yeah. are like, what's the echo? That's yeah. <laughs> me talking to yeah, you me. Sound, you sound pretty clear on my end, so that's cool. Okay, perfect. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm on my computer for this, and so now I'm concerned wow. that maybe it's my phone. Well, good. Well, so how are, th how are things with you? <laughs> Otherwise, technology. Other yeah, technology. technology. Uh, things are great, super busy, actually. Uh, this is going to be a busy travel year for 
last year wasn't so busy with travel. This year will be pretty busy. And so um, it's all good. Lots of Dutch stuff. Lots of Dutch training. Uh, well, that's what I was just going to ask you. So the traveling, is it for uh, training for providers or conferences you're going to and speaking at? Yes. Or both? Yeah, all the above. So it's clinics. Um, there's two. Um, there are a couple of universities that have like functional medicine programs or they have NDs uh, in as part of their program. And so I'm going there, a couple, couple of conferences. I'm speaking at a couple of conferences. I'm not. I'm just attending. And then um, we have several dinner events. We have some co-dinner event scheduled with some supplement companies and so a lot of like little education all the way up to big education um across the globe so i'm nice. pretty excited that's awesome good for you good for you i'm glad yeah you're in a great direction so how about you how's your year going yeah so far so good just uh doing kind of like you multiple irons in a fire just trying to um trying to work smarter instead of harder but sometimes it's hard <laughs> <laughs> yes so. i understand i understand I work at, um, you know, uh, I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, and, um, and I have my separate, uh, a separate uh, standalone website where I just do all my health optimization, uh, hormone replacement and peptide uh, treatments and uh, nutrition, fitness, kind of all of the above, kind of health and performance optimization. I'm trying to make it more of a, uh, all of, more of an online thing where I can do online, you know, consults and, uh, you know, have uh, information products and things that I could, I could do and offer a lot of free content and things like that. So I'm trying to grow that. That's why I do the podcast and do a lot of YouTube videos and things like that. So I'm trying to, I, my goal is to build that up so I can do a lot of things, you know, uh, you know, from the computer from home when I'm traveling and don't have to be in the clinic every single day kind of thing. So absolutely for sure. That's what the, um, the online, um, clinic, I guess, is, I, is really exploded. But, man, I don't know about your board, but our board, where I am in Oregon, has really cracked down. They're not, they're not saying you can't do it, but they are definitely, like, more rules and regulations. Like, if you see people online, so, and they're trying, like, people are trying to differentiate between if you come to my clinic, I'm your doctor, and if we do it online, I'm consulting. Right. And some of the boards like, no, <laughs> you're a doctor, whether you're on the line or right. in a brick and mortar building. Like, nice try, though. And so, but not all states are like that. Some states have gray areas, some states don't. And so I know a lot of colleagues, a lot of designations, right? DC, MD, DO, ND that are really trying to figure this out, um, not break laws, but be, do the same thing, be able to like work from right. home and see people, yeah. yeah, remotely, like globally, right? But you get known as something and somebody from England wants to see you or Australia and they can't actually come to your brick and mortar. So, yeah. And I'll, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit clueless on it. Cause like you said, the rules are changing all the time and I haven't, yeah. you know, I've, I've had other people in other cities in Ohio, you know, come see me or talk to me. But um, like you said, every state's different. Like I had a, a good friend of mine in another state and in, in one of the Carolinas and uh, it's one of the states that, you know, you know um, their laws are, are a little different that, you know, you have to, in order to, you know, you have to be licensed in that particular state. Um, yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear or, that a lot. Uh, the other option is, you know, what I try to do if I have someone out of state, say, well, you know, you just, you know, you just have to come see me at least once a year, you know, come see mm -hmm. me in Ohio. And then um, from there, I, I, at least that's what it used to be. Then once, once they're there, then you're good and you can follow up and do things over the phone, et cetera. But um, like you said, it's, that's you know, what's yeah, my board in Oregon says that they've they've come out and said you have to actually lay eyes on them for real, not on Zoom right. <laughs> once a year in Oregon, and then you have 364 days, and then on the 365th day they have to come back and see you again. 
Right, right. And, and, it, and I think it varies too. I mean, and, and I don't know, at least in Ohio, I'm not sure about other states, but I, and again, this may have changed too, but it used to be that unless it's a controlled substance, you could still do things online. You don't have to see them, but if you're going to prescribe a controlled substance, like, you know, yeah. uh, whatever, then you absolutely have to, you know, kind of thing. So Which I, you know, makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still in the beginning stages of playing around with this. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have to dig in. And I know some providers will, um, you know, just get mul- licenses in multiple states, but I really don't want to do that unless I have to. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Then when it comes to prescribing anything, I have, I, have just, I have some friends that they're like, well, what do you do when you prescribe, you know, even just HRT, not even testosterone, but estrogen and progesterone. And like, you know, I'm like, well, a lot of compounding pharmacies will mail. Um, and even if it is, you know, testosterone, they'll depending, you know, they'll mail it across state lines if they have, a, if the compounding pharmacy has the license to do. Okay. Anyway, so it's, oh, it's fine. It's just really interesting. Um, how, you know, just, just listening to people. Cause I'm not current, I'm not currently doing it, but I'm open to, so I'm letting everybody else figure it out. <laughs> and, right. then, <laughs> and then, you know, like when, when I'm ready, when I'm ready to go back into like a lot more practice or get more into consulting about patients as opposed to with practitioners, and I'll just, everyone else will have it figured out and I'll know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hope, we can hope. <laughs> yeah, right. We can hope. We can oh, hope. Goodness. And, and now where in Oregon are you guys? Portland. Well, actually we're outside of Portland. We're in McMinnville, but Portland's the closest big city. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, I haven't been there in a while. I love, or at least from what I remember, I really like Portland. I have an uncle that lives out there. He, he kind of, he's just retired. He used to work in Portland, but he kind of lived up in the, kind of in the hills in one of the outlying areas. He liked to be yeah. kind of out out by himself but um every time we went out there always enjoyed it and uh, Oregon's a beautiful state always had a great time touring touring around and doing stuff so it's, I know yeah definitely I've been here 20 years and um I wouldn't recommend coming now it has not stopped raining in probably a month we're drowning <laughs> in water oh um God. I know so but definitely in the summer this our springs and summers and falls are are pretty fantastic because it rains so much everything is so green Right. And our summers are pretty fantastic. So yeah, awesome. That's awesome for, for yeah. sure. I'm learning to ski for the first time. Uh, the mountains only about an hour and a half uh, from Portland, and so oh. I'm like, I snowboarded eons ago, eons ago, right. and right. then stopped. And now I'm like, okay, Mother <laughs> Nature. Like if all you're gonna do, if you if it rains in the city, it's snowing on the mountain. Uh, so in the winter, so I'm like, where, all right, I'm gonna embrace this. <laughs> yeah, no, I love to ski. That's awesome. Where, where are you? Where are you going skiing at? Or where do you? Mount go? Hood. We go up on Mount Hood. Yeah. So the yeah. Mount Hood is the closest of the Cascade Mountain Range um, to Portland. Further south of us is Bachelor Mount Bachelor, and then further north of us is uh, Mount Rainier. As far as like ski awesome. yeah. resorts go, so I'm up on Mount Hood. Um, yeah, I've attempt- never, uh, <laughs> I've never skied Mount Hood. I've been there in the summer and, and explored. And- yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous, but uh, I I bet it's fun to ski. It is. It is. Mm. is. Well, I'm looking to, I have not been out yet this year. We haven't really had a winter in Ohio, which is terrible, but I, I, there's ski places around here in like Pennsylvania, New York, but I try to get out West when I can. I take my, my, uh, I have two um, teenage boys and I try to uh, take them out to out west once a year. I've, I've gone like two twice in twice in a row now. Hopefully t- this year will be year three. But uh, try to try to get out there at least once because it's the whole whole different world out, out west, of course. Oh, completely, completely. And that's interesting that Ohio hasn't had a winter. Usually, I went to school in Ohio, so. Oh yeah, where? Uh, at? In Wittenberg. Oh yeah, I know where Wittenberg is. Nope. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, not, not far we from. 
We used to have good winters, but man, last I can't remember the last time we had a wet Christmas. And usually, if we get snow, it's more January, February. But it it is not snowed at all. It's been uh, you know warm and yucky. <laughs> oh man, I can't remember like walking to class and you know two feet of snow or a foot and a half of snow. <laughs> I can't remember you know classes getting delayed or canceled because of ice and right. I don't know. It's, it's definitely anyway. changed. I don't know. You know, people talk about the global warming and all these shifts, and you know, who knows? I don't know. Something's happening. It's definitely not like it used to be. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, well, I, I want to be um, cognizant of your time. I don't know how much time you have. Let me know when we need to stop. But I, you know, we'll go for a, a bit. Yeah, let's, let's do it. I'm ready. Um, it's about. Uh, it's almost four thirty. You good till like five or five fifteen? Yeah. Like okay. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, cool. I um, just want to, I know we did a podcast once before and um, I want to do another one because I love, I love talking about this stuff. I know you do as well. So <laughs> I get, um, man, I get a, a ton of people, of course, asking all kinds of questions and um, I love to drill. There's a few specific clinical things I want to talk about, but obviously I want to talk about the Dutch test because that's something I'm going to try. I'd like to start using more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it on myself and my wife uh, last, I don't even remember, several months ago. And I know uh, it's interesting. It's something I personally want to drill down on more too. But I know a lot of people are always asking me about cortisol and the adrenals, and I'm, I know you get hammered with this all the time too. So maybe we could talk about uh, the Dutch test and how it's different from your standard blood test and how it breaks down the uh, the total cortisol versus the metabolized cortisol, uh, the metabolites, and things like that. Because that's that's one thing that's always piqued my interest. You know, for for example, when I did mine, you know, my 24-hour free was was high to upper range, but my metabolized cortisol, the total was was very very low. Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You get these disparities. It's kind of like, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you want to, uh, I'll let you. I'll just let you take it. Take it on that one, I guess. <laughs> and go right. And go. Lots to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, that's the great thing about cortisol is that um, when it comes to traditional cortisol testing, most people have gotten a blood test maybe. They'll, you know, go get their blood drawn in the morning and they'll see that. Let's, let's use an easy round number, 10. So they're like, oh, my cortisol, my blood draw was 10. But the thing about blood is that um, it's a combination of cortisol that's free and, and fr- free hormone is what is able to bind to receptors and actually do the things. It's, it's what's actually active. And then bound, because cortisol um, has to be bound up to travel through the bloodstream. And so when you get a number of 10, I don't know if that means nine are free and one is bound up, or if nine are bound up and one is free. So then we moved on to saliva testing. And saliva testing, where you spit the tube, or you suck on salivate cotton swabs through the day. And um, that gave you free hormone. You, you would get this, you would, it was all free. It was not bound up cortisol. So you would do it uh, in the morning, around lunch, around dinner, and before bed, and you would get this great pattern through the day to see what you look like. And then we evolved into urine testing, dried urine testing, which is what the Dutch test is, which essentially are pieces of filter paper that people urinate on also four, if not five times during the day, and uh, let them dry, and then mail them back to the lab. But the bonus of urine is not only do you get the free hormone, which again is the active hormone, but you get this extra added marker known as metabolized cortisol. And according to research, metabolized cortisol represents like roughly 80% of cortisol produced in a day. So free tells you what's available, but it doesn't tell you like how, like how much um, the, the production, right? The production that, that was available. And so that's why I really like it because I can look at the free hormones, which is, tells me 
like how active you're able to be or not, or maybe why do you have insomnia? Cause well, you have too much free floating around at night or, you know, why do you have anxiety in the morning? Oh, look, your, your free cortisol high in the morning. So you have all this active cortisol in the morning, but it doesn't actually tell me, you know, your, the ability of your whole brain adrenal axis, you know, to make cortisol. And that's where that metabolized comes in. So f- for you, with metabolized cortisol being on the upper end, you know, maybe kind of elevated, or excuse me, your free cortisol being on the upper end kind of elevated and the metabolized being on the lower end, what that actually tells me is that there's something going on either with the brain adrenal axis or most commonly, uh, believe it or not, it's a thyroid issue. And it doesn't have to be Hashimoto's, although it might be. It doesn't have to be like real clear picture of hypothyroidism, but it can just be like, you've got some, maybe some stuff going on with your thyroid gland and what it's doing is it's affecting your thyroid or excuse me, your cortisol production. Now other reasons can cause that, that same picture. Um, men and women with a history of an or current of anorexia, uh, men and women with liver issues, detoxification issues, cause that cortisol comes through the liver and then goes into the kidneys. And so, um, it can, what it really can do that picture just like point you in a different direction versus thinking it's all cortisol all the time. Right. The great thing about the Dutch test is I can go, Oh, it might be cortisol, but actually I think we need to go down this rabbit hole over here because this is what's showing up. And that's why I like it so much. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, I'm, I'm curious about the liver aspect. Obviously if someone has, you know, a liver disease that, that makes sense. But if someone just has like a, some gallbladder issues or, or some other just, uh, smoldering issues, I guess, you know, you would think that, um, you know, that would affect it in terms of your, if you're not able to metabolize that, obviously you'd have probably be having more, more spilling into the urine, correct? It would be kind of on correct. the correct. Right? So what would happen is you, so you make, you make cortisol and then when cortisol goes through the, through the end, through the liver, you have, you have enzymes that, that, uh, metabolize cortisol. And if the enzymes are slowed down themselves, or if the liver is working to make it easier, if it's working on other things and can't really focus on cortisol, then it can't break it down. It can't metabolize it. So as a result, the free cortisol just floats. It just stays as free cortisol. And then it ends up in the kidneys and then the bladder and then the urine. And because it, it doesn't get metabolized. And so you have more free cortisol than you do metabolized. And so um, we will get feedback from people who say, oh, yeah, my patient, you know, definitely has a lot of liver issues or they have they're on this medication, these medications that are really hard on the liver or um, yes, they, they drink, you know, quite a bit of alcohol. It's something we're working on. Or yes, they have a lot of like their liver enzymes are elevated on blood testing. You know, like I'm concerned they have fatty liver, um, they've been diagnosed with fatty liver. So a lot, sometimes we, we, we get this feedback often enough that I'll say, oh, I, I, it's affecting the way the body can process and utilize cortisol. It's not really so much a, production issue at that point at that point it's a it's a liver issue that's affecting cortisol so it's just really cool that everybody just assumes oh if you have a cortisol problem it, it must be the adrenals it has to be my adrenals i'm like well maybe but it might be your thyroid it might be your liver like it might be a few other things that affect right. cortisol right right absolutely yeah that makes total sense yeah and it I think you're right. A lot of people, you know, kind of jump on that, jump on that wagon or, you know, obviously there's a lot of press about the, the good old adrenal fatigue issue. And a lot of people debate that back and forth. But like you said, it's, it's multifactorial. There's a lot of other things involved. 
Absolutely. I mean, just like that song we all learned as kids, like the knee bone is literally connected to the hip bone, right? Like you can't, you can't just single out the adrenal glands, separate them off and only focus there because the adrenals are best friends with the, the ovaries or the testicles. They're best friends with the thyroid. They interact with the pancreas that makes, you know, uh, insulin and deals with blood sugar. And, you know, all of the glands are, are their besties. And so if you, think you're just focusing on one um, and leaving out the rest, it could cause a lot even more imbalance. Right, right. When, you, when, you're, when you're working with other uh, clients and providers and things, is this, is this a common, uh, what are some of the common uh, questions and, and challenges you're, you're experiencing with the, with the Dutch test compared to the kind of the quote-unquote old ways of, of, of doing things? <laughs> well, we get a, I'll get a lot of questions of like, well, the blood test showed, you know, showed whatever this, the blood test showed this, but on the Dutch test, like exactly. So the like blood test is wonderful. I'm, I'm not against blood testing. I'm not against saliva testing, but the blood testing in, when it comes to hormones, sometimes it can just be superficial. You know, it's like a screening when it comes to hormone hormones. So you, you run like a cortisol, you run a estrogen, right? You run a testosterone and that's what you get, but it doesn't actually, it's not going to give you much more, detail beyond that. And so sometimes, well, often, I actually even say sometimes, a lot of times people will say, um, women, women will say, I have acne on my jawline and my chin and I get hair growth in places I don't want and I'm losing my hair. And I got my blood test for my testosterone thinking it would be really elevated because those are pretty classic symptoms for high testosterone. Right. And they'll say, why, but my testosterone's normal, so what could it be? I'm like, well, actually, it could be your testosterone. See, testosterone, much like cortisol, your, your, your testosterone has to get processed. It has to get, you know, like it can move on to other, other pathways in the body. And so I'll say one of the pathways can cause acne on the chin and the jawline. It can cause hair growth in places women really don't want. It can cause you to like lose hair at your temples as a woman. And so when you do the Dutch test, you're testing, you peel back the layer of the onions and you look underneath the testosterone and you realize, oh, testosterone's going down that acne pathway. Yeah, that's five so, so, so I'll have, exactly, I'll have people or practitioners who will challenge me. Like, well, it can't be testosterone. It's normal in the blood work. I'm like, well, it, it, it can be. <laughs> We just have to test the pathway and see which which pathway they prefer, and and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes total sense. I love how you guys, uh, how with the Dutch test, you've added some of the other markers like the uh, xanthiurinates and the glutathione and the uh, dopamine, etc. Those are those are cool to have on there too. Because prior to that, you had to kind of look at other tests to add those on. So it's nice to kind of bundle that together. Yeah, absolutely, and just give some extra. We we're they're organic acids, so I tell people we're not an organic acid company. Like that's not our goal, but we do run a few that actually go with with hormones. So, like we have a B12 marker, and of course B6 that will go obviously with hormone production, but then also hormone um, uh, estrogen detoxification, and then exactly like the dopamine metabolite. We have the norepinephrine epinephrine metabolite, which is great for people who say, I have a lot of anxiety, I have a lot of insomnia, but my cortisol is normal. And then I look at those two markers, their dopamine metabolite is high, their adrenaline metabolite is high. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> you're, you have anxiety and insomnia because you're still running on the stress system. It's just different hormones than you thought it was. 
Yeah, that's what, actually I was just going to ask you that if you get a lot of uh, questions of you know people seeing that clinically with people with uh, things look okay, but then when you look at some of their uh, neurotransmitters, they're out of whack, you know, and yeah, uh, then what, you know, kind of thing. So absolutely, and I think a lot of people. Um, assume they'll say that cortisol is the only hormone that has to do with uh, like fatigue as an example, like, you know, well, they're so tired, but their cortisol is normal. How's that possible? I'm like, well, actually cortisol is not the only hormone that deals with fatigue. And that's why it's nice to have some of these extra things where I can say, you know, it's possible they're, they're door. Yeah. Their dopamine might be low because their, their metabolites low. It's possible they're, you know, norepinephrine and epinephrine are, are low and they're struggling in, in, in that response system um, because these metabolite num- markers are low. It, and then even like the nutrients, I'm like, well, actually their B12 and their B6 look low. So those have a lot to do with energy. And so it's nice to have that extra information and just to remind people that cortisol is not the only thing that has to do with energy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, um, w- when you're consulting, or, I mean, you're, what's your, uh, patient mix is it you know men and women pretty equally of similar you know, of average age or are you more more seeing more people doing uh, one or the other or what, who are you consulting with most of the time I guess I would say the large majority are female only because um, women tend to go to the doctor <laughs> but we do have a we do have a pretty significant uh, amount of men which I really really like because I think when it comes to hormonal things men um, Men might think or assume that because they don't get a menstrual cycle, that it can't be hormones, you know, like, oh, hormones are what affect my wife or my sister or my, you know, like my teenage daughter. Like that's what that's, they have hormonal issues. I'm like, no, actually men can have really significant hormone issues. You know, cortisol is still a hormone. Obviously testosterone is a hormone. Men have estrogen. And so it's really nice to see more and more and more men um, of all ages. I have men who are 19 running the test because they're struggling. And I have men who I literally have men in their eighties and God bless them. They're running the test because they're tired and they can't get an erection and right. they want to feel better. And I'm like, yes, you should, you should want to be healthy in your eighties. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. exactly. You don't have to feel that way. <laughs> exactly. I know. And just, you know, and I love that they're not accepting like the, the, the adage of, Oh, well you're in your eighties. And they're like, no, I, you know, I want an erection in my eighties. I want energy in my eighties. Like, good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know who uh, Neil Rousier is? Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he's, a, he's been doing a lot of this for a long. He's had a lot of education with a company called WorldLink medical. And I've taken a lot of his certification courses and he's a, he's a great teacher. He's, he's fun to listen to. He's been at like AMMG and A4M and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, he's, a lot of uh, uh, clinical study-backed um, studies, and, and he's done a lot of things with um, educating physicians and other providers, and it's it's, it's kind of cool to see some of that change you, when you're mentioning men with, like, estrogen. You know, the, and you've probably seen this. The big thing used to be back in the day is, like, oh, of course, you can't have estrogen high. you got to get on a aromatase inhibitor, and, mm-hmm. and then he's really done a good job educating, like, no, you, you need estrogen. It's actually better to be high on estrogen, you know, similar to women because it's healthy for your bones and your brain, and now we're seeing, you know, seeing more and more people kind of an about face. So it's kind of cool to see that. And um, uh, like you yeah. said, I think a lot of those things people didn't really know about. Men don't need, didn't, a lot of guys don't know that they need estrogen and uh, certain yeah, thing with women. You know, like, oh, I didn't know I need all that progesterone and things like that. So it's, it's good to get, get more people aware of that. It is. And it's really, we, we're seeing a lot more athletes. Um, we, I was talking with... Um, an NHL team, a, a trainer of an NHL team, a hockey team. And uh, 
he said, you know, we have a player that keeps getting soft tinge, uh, uh, tissue injury and we've tried all these things. And he, the trainer was like, we realized maybe it's his hormones. Maybe it's cortisol. Maybe we were just having this really intelligent conversation about hormones and the effect on recovery and hormones on the effect of soft tissue injury and hormones on the effect of athletic performance. And he said, you know, we pay this player a lot of money, like a lot of money. And I, I need to figure out what's wrong with him. So we're going to run Dutch testing and see if it's, if it's cortisol, if it's adrenaline, right. If it's, if it's testosterone, if it's estrogen or all the above. And I thought it was just so intelligent and just so, um, you know, just, just like you said, like the, like these, these concepts are changing where before in sports, you know, it was, well, shoot them up with steroids, you know, if they get hurt, put them through physical therapy and put them back out in the field. And now so many players are like, they're dialed in on their diet and they're dialed in on their sleep routine and they're dialed in, you know, with, with their hormones and they're, they're working with experts when it comes to athletic performance and biohacking, um, just to be that much better. And I just, I just love it. I love it when, um, either the, you know, the everyday athlete, you know, the, the, your neighbor next door or the actual athlete are just trying to get better because, um, hormones play a big role in it. Oh, they do. They absolutely do. Um, and it's fascinating too. The more I learn about it and I, I've done a lot of, uh, education certification with the, um, in terms of peptide therapy, uh, medical peptides and things, and a lot of the, the things that I've learned have tied into uh, what we were talking about, the adrenals, for example, with a lot of um, when people are, their cortisol is out of whack, their body's in, you know, they can tell you something, but there, there can be some underlying neuroinflammation. As soon as their, their, their levels drop and their inflammation goes higher and they get more brain fog, they get more fatigued. So talking about the immune system and all this inflammation, how it's tied, it's not just... Oh, you're stressed. Your you know your cortisol is high or low. It's, there's more, way more to it than that, and and it's it's just fascinating to yeah. learn about how how. You and I, yeah, and I was gonna just completely agree with you. Like preach, absolutely. But um, it's so interesting you said that because I will have practitioners who will say, oh, their cortisol is high. Tell me what I can do to suppress it. I'm like, well, why don't you find out why it's high first? Because if you suppress it, just like you said, you might end up doing more damage than good. We don't know where they are in their high cortisol spectrum, maybe it's high because it's helping to suppress an infection or attempts to suppress an infection. And if, if, yeah. you do, if, if you suppress the cortisol, you know, it's kind of like, it's like a fire, right? If you're, if you've got a hose on a fire that even if the hose, the hose is doing the best that it can, it may not be able to put the whole fire out, but it's doing the best you can. If you turn the hose off, well, the fire is just going to get bigger. Yeah. So no. I had practitioners say that to me, like, yeah, I made a mistake. I totally suppressed their cortisol because I thought it was, you know, high, and then all their symptoms got worse. Like, right, yeah, gotta, yeah. gotta figure out the cause. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, that's a great point. I, I read a or I saw a study on the, a presentation. They were talking about, um, well, for example, like you said, infections and like Lyme disease. Talking about how these people are, their levels are high because your body's actually, you know, our bodies are smart. They're they're trying yeah. to suppress that, and then, like you said, as soon as they you shut down that response or the body just gives up, all of a sudden they're, they're infected, they're, their symptoms get way worse because the infection's uncontrolled now. So it's like, wow, you know, a lot more, a lot more to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, had a, I was consulting with a doctor whose patient had an acute rheumatoid arthritis flare-up. The joints were all swollen. They were very red. The, they, had done a, they had done a Dutch test. The, all the cortisol markers were very elevated. And, I, and the practitioner said, or the doctor said, you know, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, honestly, I think you should address the inflammation and the cortisol will follow. And he said, well, no, I think it's been going on for a while. I'm kind of concerned the cortisol is at the point where it's 
more damaging than helpful. And he chose to suppress the cortisol. And uh, he called me back and he said, so that was a mistake. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yep. Joints got Oops. way worse. They got way bigger, way redder, way more painful. And he yeah. said, yeah, I, I screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's the best way to learn, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, thankfully he had, he had been using um, uh, cortisol lowering herbs, you know, and nutrients and stuff. He had, sure. he wasn't using like prednisone or anything, but he, sure. he it was funny. He called me back and was like, yeah, so right. that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted, wanted to ask you about is, um, and I think you've touched on this on, and you have some really, really cool Instagram posts and I love your, 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 your videos and pictures and things, um, especially hitting on uh, perimenopausal, menopausal women. Uh, I know you obviously women dealing with whether whatever whether it's just half flashes or my you know the obviously biggest thing you probably hear this a lot but my biggest thing with with my female patients is of course weight gain and fatigue so uh, the menopausal weight gain you know how to how to address that things what I'm sure you're hearing quite a bit of that what what kind of challenges what kind of things are you doing there yeah it's definitely um, it's a I'll be honest it's a pain in the butt and it and I and I say that as a woman because um, it's weight that the body wants there, not weight you're necessarily putting there. So women will say, as we know, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm 45. I did not change my diet. I did not change my exercise. I didn't change anything. And all of a sudden I've put on 20 pounds. What's this about? I'm like, right. are you so having brain fog and hot flashes and joint pain? And you know, are your cycles coming and going? And they're like, yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, yeah, because you're at that age, unfortunately, where this happens. And so no, no one's like really 100% sure why women gain weight in menopause. The Mayo Clinic, it, you know, everybody knows it. Everybody admits it. I mean, the Mayo Clinic says, I think they, they said one time, like the average woman in menopause gains like 11 to 18 pounds. And some women, unfortunately, gain more. But what happens is that drop in estrogen can be a really big one because the body can make estrogen out of fat tissue. And so as estrogen drops down, even though a lot of women maybe are really comfortable and happy at the weight that they're at, or maybe not, maybe they, they feel that they have extra out of fat tissue that they don't need, the body still registers the drop in estrogen and seems to put on even more fat tissue because they think the body's like, well, I'm losing estrogen and I want to preserve her brain and her bones and her joints and all this stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to add 15 to 20 extra pounds on her because I can make, I can use it to make estrogen. And it's a horrible design flaw because in this day and age, in the 21st century, women don't need an extra, most, a lot of women don't need an extra 15 or 20 pounds right. on their body. Right. Now, the other thing too is, as women, as their hormones shift in perimenopause, we become more insulin resistant. And so the when um, it comes to you know sugar and carbs and things like that, again women will say I haven't changed my diet, and yet you know I'm gaining weight or I feel more sensitive to carbs and sugar and what have you than I used to. Right. And it, it makes me sleepier. It makes me you know I get I get blood sugar crashes when I didn't used to before, or I get them more often. Like yeah, your hormones because your because your hormones have declined. Um, hormones play a big role in, in blood sugar and glucose and insulin and management. And, um, you're becoming more insulin resistant, which we don't want to be. So coupled with the loss of estrogen, we're now becoming more insulin resistant and, and 
we're losing other hormones, right? Like testosterone, um, DHEA, like hormones that help us build muscle. Women will often say, I feel squishy. (laughs) They might say I'm the same weight, but I feel squishy. Like I'm used to have muscle tone. And what is the squishiness? I'm like, oh, we're losing... You're losing the androgens. Yes, you we ha- you have to go lift mu- you have to go lift weights, and I don't mean the pink weights. I mean like real weights. Real weights, and you need testosterone. And, yeah, and you need testosterone, and you need to you know stop being a cardio bunny. I know you love the elliptical, and I know you love running, and I know you love spinning, but you've got to build some weight because you or muscle because for those androgens, and so yeah. it's just. It's just crappy for yeah. women. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I totally understand. Yeah. Have, have, you, have you, with your women with uh, replacement therapy, are you, do you find it uh, in terms of therapy uh, uh, topical versus the oral estradiol or patches, et cetera, or a, little, a mix of both patient preference? You know, I- it, I do a, I do kind of patient preference of what's going on in their life. So um, I'm a little hesitant with the oral estradiol just in case of blood clot risk, although I know there's a lot of research utilizing oral estradiol um, and, and, the, and the benefits, you know, the outcomes of it. Yep. The patch I find, um, the little tiny patch I find is really helpful for women who um, maybe don't have skin issues. You know, some women are really sensitive to adhesives. So if they don't have skin issues, and especially women who have really bad symptoms, they can't just seem to get under control. Bad hot flashes that happen all the time. You know, night sweats that are drenching all night long. The patch is at steady state. Yep. Um, steadier state. And so I find the patch works really well for them. The topical um, are hit or miss. Uh, some women love the topicals. It, sometimes we only have to do it once a day. Sometimes we have to do it twice a day. Um, but the thing with topical I, that I am always aware of is transferring it to somebody else. So if she's a woman in her 40s and let's say she had kids, um, you know, later in life. And so her kids are young. I'm like, hey, just it just are you do your kids co-sleep? You know, are you are you, you know, I don't know how to like, are you always like touching your kids, hugging your kids? If you're very involved in like skin on skin contact with your kids and you've got topical estrogen or any topical hormone, testosterone, progesterone, you just have to be very aware. Same for husbands, partners, spouses, significant others. I'm like, you have to be aware because just like men can transfer topical testosterone to their kids and family, it, women can transfer their hormones the other way. In fact, I read this study. This is the most interesting study of a man who had prostate cancer and they um, had put him on this on all the suppressive therapy and his testosterone levels uh, were increasing. They kept increasing and they couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. They were freaking out in this study, this, this research write-up I read on PubMed and it turned out the wife was using vaginal testosterone cream and they continued to have uh, intercourse and right. they were using the testosterone as lubricant oh and my so gosh. even though the testosterone wasn't his he was picking it up because of skin to skin contact wow and yeah so, I've, heard, I've heard that yep. the other way around but that's that's interesting wow yeah so anyway um so yeah so it just depends on the person if i yeah. use cream or patch or you know right. oral or vaginal the vaginal is really nice because of it really for women who get vaginal dryness they have a lot of vaginal atrophy um and, and the, the uh, tissue up inside the vagina, it's a mucous membrane, and it sucks up hormone really well. Right. So vaginal can be a really nice option. Uh, the downside is, of course, if you are sexually active, you have to be careful. We don't want to trans. Don't use it as a lubricant. And it can be kind of messy. You know, some women are like, you know, it seeps out. I'm like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> what goes up must come out. So. Right, right. <laughs> Funny. But yeah, but it can be great. I, my vaginal, you know, dryness, you know, painful intercourse. Women right. love it. Love the vaginal route. Awesome, awesome. One, um, and this is a little off the hormones a bit, I guess, because I, I guess with your integrative uh, background, I, one quite, I know one thing that sometimes is confusing, uh, especially well, men, but definitely with women too, but is uh, iron and ferritin and things of that nature. Do you delve into that much or have to? Yeah, I definitely, um, especially with ferritin uh, for a couple things. One, ferritin is, as you know, is an iron, it can be an iron marker, but it can also increase with inflammation. It's an acute uh uh, but yeah, there you go. That's what I was looking for. It's <laughs> a cute phase reactant. And so sometimes when it's, if it's really high, you know, it's a good indicator like, hey, maybe something else is going on. It's also been an indicator for me for hemochromatosis, which is an iron overload. Right. Uh, for people listening. Um, I've actually diagnosed a number of men with hemochromatosis with a high, high ferritin. And then I obviously go on to do the rest of the testing. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, when ferritin is low, I, I also you know, when it comes to ferritin, when iron in general, I'm like, well, you're either not eating it or you're not absorbing it, but we don't know if you're not absorbing it because you can't absorb it or because you, you have some sort of parasite or infection or candida that's eating it because they'll use it to their benefit too, iron, um, or you're bleeding it out somewhere or a combination of the above. And so I'm always really hesitant before I just put a woman on iron like oh your iron's low let's put you on iron because if she does have some sort of gut infection candida what have you research shows it you know the body might be uh sequestering iron to hide it from the bugs that are trying to steal it right (laughs) right. it's this delicate balance of you need iron you're super tired you're bruised bruising your hair is falling out and your periods are heavy because of the low iron. But at the same time, your body's hiding it from bugs, potentially. So let's see what kind of bugs you have before just jumping on iron. Yeah, that's interesting because I've, I've read a lot of that, too, especially with uh, hair loss. People always say, well, what's the, you know, the astute uh, person will say, you know, check their ferritin because if it's low, that could be a problem. And like you said, then why is it low? You know, any guy right. would be. Who's your when you're looking for those weird things like the gut stuff? Who's your uh, who's your go-to gut tester? Do you have a, a, a different companies or panels? So there's there's three. There are three that I'd say are I guess like the most popular, and um, and a fourth one is coming. Uh, well, it's actually here. I just had never used it. So there's Genova. Genova yep. has a um, CDSA, which is Comprehensive Diagnostic Stool Analysis and Parasitology CDSA and P, and then they have the GI effects. So they have, they have two options. And then there's um, uh, um, DSL, which has the GI map. And then there is Doctor's Data that has the, their new stool test is out. I can't, it's called the Something 360. And it has, um, and I'm, really, I'm excited for that one, actually, because they they've added uh, the, one of the estrogen enzyme markers called beta-glucuronidase. And so oh. uh, I'd say yeah. the majority of practitioners use one of those three companies. But... The makers of um, the probiotic Megaspore have, oh, yeah. have, a, have a stool test that just launched in like the December, January timeframe. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've never used it yet, and I've never seen a result from it yet, um, but I'm going, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love um, the company that owns it is called Microbiome, 
and yeah, I, I love their products, and so I'm excited to see what their stool test looks like. But yeah, Genova, the GI map, and the and doctor's data are probably the three top that I see all the time. Yeah, Genova I've used a few times. I've, I've not used doctor's data or the other one you mentioned, but I, I think I've heard of the second one. But yeah, uh, Genova's been around for a while. Um, Eva, yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and microbiome, yeah, I've, I've used uh, their stuff before as well. Um, I think actually uh, Kieran, I think, uh, is one of the – I think I interviewed him as well, like last year or something. Yeah, he's the, um, he owns microbiome. Yeah, yeah, good guy, yep. good guy. Very yeah, smart guy, yep. Very smart guy. <laughs> yep. Well, um, one thing, I, uh, the other thing too, I remember, I think I heard you talk about this on a podcast and, uh, you know, uh, I don't get a ton of women, but obviously it's a huge problem. I'm always looking for PCOS and I, obviously the big, uh, big one of course is insulin, insulin resistance, but I think you, I heard you talking about like, well, that's the, it's either the insulin resistance kind of model versus adrenal issues. Um, so I'd yeah, like they actually have, um, and now they've even expanded that. There's a couple of big, uh, PCOS, um, practitioners. Dr. Fiona McCulloch, Dr. Laura Bryden, who talk about four different options. So there's insulin-based, there's adrenal-based, there's post-birth control-based um, women who develop a PCOS picture when they get off the birth control pill. And then there's inflammatory, inflammatory uh, PCOS. So the thing with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, is that you have to, to be diagnosed, you have to have two out of three criteria. This is sort of still what everyone uses right now. So one of the criteria is you have to have multiple cysts on your ovaries, polycystic, but you don't have to. That's just one of the criteria. Right. The second criteria is that you have uh, ovulation issues, low progesterone, or cycle issues. So you either have irregular cycles or no cycles, which is known as amenorrhea. You can't get pregnant. You can't ovulate or release an egg. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that you have high levels of androgens, that's your like testosterone, and the symptoms to go along with it. So acne on the jawline and the chin, the neck, hair growth in places women don't want, maybe male pattern baldness in a woman. You only have to have two out of three to kind of traditionally be diagnosed with PCOS. And so with the adrenal part, you can make testosterone and obviously DHEA out of the adrenal glands. And so you may have elevated testosterone, but it's not from the ovaries, it's from the adrenals. And you can have irregular cycles or crazy cycles or struggle to get pregnant because of the adrenal glands. Cortisol, when it's high, so when you're, you've got a lot of stress or infection or inflammation, cortisol will directly tell the brain, hey, now is not a good time to get pregnant. We're dealing with a lot. So don't release an egg, don't ovulate. And the brain goes, okay. Right. <laughs> and it, it, stops the, it stops the signals to the ovary or slows the signals to the ovaries that um, cause ovulation, create ovulation. Yep. And so as a woman, she may be really stressed out or be re like sick, dealing with a lot. Her cycles may be off and she's struggling with acne and hair growth and or yeah on her, on hair growth in places she doesn't want known as hirsutism and hair growth or hair loss on her head and that's two out of three and so she gets diagnosed with pcos but it's an adrenally related issue that makes sense yep. yeah. yeah but I, insulin is definitely the more common what everybody knows is familiar with yeah, and I think I think more people are becoming aware of it. I think that the you know it's one of the more common endocrinopathies in women. Um, I think it's kind of getting more attention now. I think obviously with all the people talking about it and blogging about it, et cetera, which is good. Um, yes. So, 
It's interesting, too, because with the adrenal one, um, you can be diagnosed with PCOS. But with the adrenal one, um, sometimes, depending on the woman, I question if it's really PCOS. Because like, PCOS is the diagnosis, but the cause is the adrenals. So I have a, I, there's a case that I often refer back to. And lots of my practitioner friends have similar cases where a woman might get diagnosed in her 30s with PCOS. But it really turned out it was just massive amounts of stress. Maybe it was divorce. Maybe it was illness. Maybe it was just, you know, a lot going on and children, what have you. And she loses her cycle or her cycles become irregular and she's, you know, breaking out on her face and, and she's has elevated levels of testosterone. But once all the stress is over and once she's moved through it and, you know, gotten help and balance, like it all goes back to normal. I'm like, so is it PCOS or was it, a nor like a normal response to life out of the adrenal glands. Right, right. Yeah, just like a stress stress response reaction or something. Right. So it mimics. It's like a mimicker. It mimics PCOS. And so that's what I. So like when women are like, oh, I've been diagnosed with PCOS. I'm like, okay, tell me your history. I want it. I literally want to know everything that that led you to that diagnosis to know if it's like are with PCOS you women tend to have a much higher risk for cardiometabolic disease, right? So I'm like really concerned about long-term outcomes, but in a stressed adrenal-based woman, I might be like, "Oh, <laughs> you're you're not you're not that section. You're more the cortisol section which we need to work with, which which is different unto itself." Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, totally totally makes sense. And that and you know, it all comes down like you said, all, all comes down to the history digging digging a little bit deeper. Right, which is why with, it's hard to do that in a conventional eight-minute appointment. And right, right. Exactly. <laughs> we need a little more time and with healthcare. So, what's uh, what challenges do you have on your plate for 2020, either uh, personally, professionally, or with that, the company itself, or or all of the above? Challenges. Challenges or or, or, or uh, goals, anything anything going on with the company with uh, you know, your 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 yeah education education is the word of the day or word of the year for uh, Dutch for 2020. So we're hoping to create a whole lot more um, accessible education webinars. You know, I mean, we 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 do a lot externally, um, but we're trying to do a lot under our own umbrella that people can. You know, if they really want to dive into PCOS, like we provide all the webinars for that. If they really want to dive into estrogen detoxification or men's health or, you know, athletes and hormones, like we're going to try to really create this whole database of webinars and educational options for, for everyone, people, practitioners, anyone who, you know, wants to learn. That's a big goal of ours. We had a Dutch conference in last year in 2019 and, um, that was really, really successful, and so we're going to try to take that momentum and that content and just explode it into 2020. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I think that'd be great. I would, I would uh, definitely look into that myself because I think it's uh, yeah, very, very interesting, very interesting. I think, so, um, I think it's just uh, another layer, like the layers of the onion that a lot of people are, are still learning and digging deeper. And I'm, I'm, I just like to have continuous learning. I think there's, there's never enough to, there's always more to learn. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's never ending. And I always tell people, I mean, I, hormones, hormones are amazing. They're, I mean, that's what, they're what I know, but they're not the end all be all, you know, that you still have to go learn about the microbiome and you still have to go learn about the immune system and you still have to go learn about the neurologic system and you still have to go learn about, you know, all these other, you know, systems and, 
and ways of, of doing things. Um, but the endocrine system, hormones, is a pretty big system. So that's what we're going to try to really help people understand the hard stuff at an easier level. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's great. Some of the webinars you have on your site are very, <clears throat> very helpful, very informational. And I actually have that on my to-do list to go back through and, and watch some of them again. I, I don't think I've watched, I know I haven't watched all of them. I've watched a few, but I, <laughs> I need to go back and <laughs> read some more um, for sure. So and stay tuned. We'll, we'll be up, we're going to update quite a bit as, as well. You know, over the years, it's hard, as you know, it's, like, it's hard to keep, like everything's changing. Everything's research is coming out faster than we can update webinars. And so, um, we're going to have some definitely some updated stuff as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And obviously, uh, everybody, everybody can find you on uh, on the Dutch test. And you want to, you want to give out your website, your Twitter. Your yeah, Dutch, so it's, it's thankfully it's easy. It's DutchTest.com. And for those who are um, concerned that Dutch is, you know, we're like a, <laughs> you, we're not testing for Dutch heritage. It's an acronym. It stands for Dried Urine Test right. for Comprehensive Hormones. So DutchTest.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at, uh, my handle is at dr.carriejones. Yeah, maybe you should throw that Dutch heritage test on the Dutch test just for fun every now and then. Just for fun, just to see, <laughs> just because of the names. A little extra. We'll tell you about your B12, we'll tell you about your glutathione, your testosterone, and if you happen to be Dutch. <laughs> exactly. So anything else going on personally? Have you uh, any read, read any, do you read much non-medical uh, stuff, uh, personal no. business or anything, anything uh, on the side, any good books? I do. Um, well, I was going to say um, the most recent book I've read is a business book called Traction. Hmm. Um, it's called Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. And that was really quite good. I really, I really learned a lot out of that one. And then the um, other book, which is medical, but not nerdy medical, it's called Come As You Are. And it's a book written by Dr. Emily Nagoski about how our society's views on um, libido in women are completely wrong and skewed <laughs> and oh, and and what's what's actually normal like what's what's actually normal when it comes to uh libido and so it was just this really well written book um you know for women about women yeah. and just really helpful when it comes to libido you know a lot of women complain like well I don't have I'm not spontaneously in the mood like I right. used to be you know like when I was 25 as opposed to when I was 55, 55, you know, you hear, we hear this all the time, not even 55, 35, 45, like I'm not in the mood anymore. Like you are in the mood. It's just, it's, you know, life changes and um, you're completely normal and you still have the ability. And, and so it was just this great walkthrough for women on how to, uh, she talks about the, we we have the uh, fight or flight system, in our nervous system, but we have it with, with our libido as well. And so women, men too, but the book was for women have yeah. an accelerator and have a break, just like we have it for fight or flight, rest and digest. We have it for our, our libido. And so she was talking about, you know, women, like h- how you can learn what pushes on your accelerator and then what actually is and what's pushing on your break and then how you can figure that out. And, and it changes, you know, it can, it changes through the years. Um, oh yeah. I'm sure yeah, job absolutely. and, you know, stress and kids and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, so it wasn't, it was, I mean, it's a medical book, but it's not, it's not right over anyone's head. It was very well written. And so come very as you timely. are. Very timely. Right. Sounds very interesting. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for the number of women that asked me about my normal, is this normal? <laughs> but you're normal. Yeah. Right. Respective. 
all of us are a little abnormal in some way, shape, or form. Exactly. That's fine, <laughs> <laughs> <Just> abnormal. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. Well, what about you? Have you read any good books so that I can add it to my list? I'm always reading things, and I'm actually, right now, lately, I've been rereading some books I've had on my shelves for a long time. Like, I've got, I try to read, you know, try to keep up with the medical stuff. I try at night just to read non-medical stuff, just to mm-hmm. clear my head. So, a lot of, like, personal development business books. I just reread The Slight Edge, um, which is a good book. Um, I haven't read that one. Yeah, it's 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 very simple. It's a, it's a quick read, but it's, it's, it's just uh, kind of like the compound effect. It's... Um, you know, uh, it's just about just daily actions, daily habits that you do on, on consistently on a regular basis, um, you know, to achieve whatever goal you're trying to achieve, whether it be personal or professional. It's about those simple little things that you do each and every day that add up over time. Um, it's called The Slight like Edge. Yeah it's, a, it's slight a, edge. yeah, it's a good book. And then um, you ever read, I don't know if you've read, I don't know if you're in, I, I, I like history stuff, so I've read a lot of, like a, Rob, a lot of uh, Robert Greene's book, um, 48 Laws of Power and the 48 Laws of War. Those are those are those are interesting. Oh no, uh-uh. I'm not familiar. Yeah, if you if you like history, you'd like. If you don't like history, you might not. I do like history. Yep, I do like it. My dad was a history buff and got me into history. Yeah, so that and I, another cool one too. And this is a little different, but uh, there's another one called the date. Um, uh, the oh shoot, I forget. I'm blanking out now. The, but the they have a website. It's called the Daily Stoic. Um. And yes, I like just a, heard about that from somebody else. It's really good. It's like you read. It's based. It, it's like a calendar. So you know, January first, January second. Every day has a different quote from like uh, Marcus Aurelius or Epic, you know some of these ancient Greek philosophers, and then there's a then they kind of have a modern spin on it. And every day you just you just read one a day for whatever day it is that you're on, and it's it's really good. Uh, I, I recommend getting it. Um, Daily Stoic. You read every night. It's a way to put things in perspective. Kind of that Stoic philosophy of you control what you can control, and you can't control what you don't can't control, and a lot of other cool little things. But yeah, that's a good one. It's called the Daily Stoic. I like that. I like that. You know, so sort not well similar. So there's an app. <laughs> it's called CoStar Astrology. So even for people who aren't into astro- astrology or believe in ast- um, astrology, yeah, every single day CoStar Astrology. Um, you know, I entered my birthday and all this stuff, so it knows all my right. My sun sign, my moon sign, all this stuff. But I'll get a, I'll get a, um, like a, like a quote or a motto or a mantra to the for the day for me, for me, and for you know how I line up with the stars. Oh, and cool. every single day, that stupid mantra is always <laughs> spot on. <laughs> and sometimes it's really funny. I mean, sometimes, sometimes whoever writes them has got a really, you know slick sense of humor and uh they're and they're well done and like today let me see what today's is i think i think today's popped up let's see what was it called again i'm gonna write that down co-star astrology um hold on let me see today I'm opening the app. uh today is the the emotional exchange between two people is constantly shifting Hmm. Interesting. Like I know. Like sometimes they're really, really interesting. Sometimes they're uh, funny. You know. Sometimes it's like you need you need to sit down for a while. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. I got it. Got it. You know. Other times, one time I actually put it this on Instagram. It said, um, "You need to not not give in to your evil tendencies." I was like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) You mean no ice cream today? Come on now. 
I can't tell that person off. My, yeah. No, exactly. My evil tendencies. Uh, so coast, yeah. Coast so, astrology. Have to, not have exactly to, stoic, but uh, no, but philosophers. Well, it's still like one of those, like you said, one of those little daily things to kind of check into your your you know, what's going on or see if, see if it matches or not. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that one's a fun one. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. I'm gonna let you run. I've, I've tied up your time quite a bit. Um, so appreciated. Love talking with you. You're always fun. I love love uh, following uh, following your stuff. And uh, thanks for all the information for my for, for my listeners. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's always yeah, good talking to you. I'll I'll keep in touch with you. I'd love to. Um, if you gosh, I I should. Uh, I was talking about my stuff earlier. I haven't looked at it in a while. I don't know if you have. You probably don't have time. So I'd love to. I'd shoot them over your way and get your opinion on them too. Cause, yeah, uh, send it to me. Of course. That'd be oh, great. That would yeah. be awesome. So, well, cool. No well, I thank you. If there's anything I can do uh, with you, let me know. If, uh, and I'll I'll keep uh, checking out the the Dutch the Dutch site to check out uh, your your new stuff, your webinars, conferences, things like that. And I'll spread the word. All right. Sounds good. Love it. Oh, thanks, Kara. You have a great week, and uh, good luck skiing when you go. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, take care.